Thanks for listening to the Headliners Podcast. New episodes are available every Saturday. How's it going, everybody? This is the Headliners. I'm joined with Wes Sanderson, Walida Lemle, and James Krause. I'm Jarrett Huff. How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing good. Yeah, doing all right. Good to be back in the state of Illinois for a little bit. Is it is it really good to be back in the state of Illinois? I would low key. No, I mean, given the fact that I was on a I was at a beach house for the last few days, like you know, it can't beat the view. But I mean, I came back uh, Monday from Georgia, and it was the same temperature as when I left from Georgia. <laughs> so I mean, that's pretty good. Oh, it was in the sixties when you came back? Yeah, that was a nice little run we had for a few days. You guys and are the, and now Monday. Monday the snow comes. Dude, don't yeah, say it shouldn't that. last I don't need long. To hear that. It shouldn't last. <laughs> it shouldn't last long. I'm hoping. Um. So, uh, this week in the NBA, uh, Myers Leonard, the uh, forward center of the uh, Miami Heat, uh, said some uh, interesting things in a Call of Duty live stream. I believe it was on Twitch, uh, where he uh, said a uh, Jewish, like a slur to Jew, like to Jewish people. Um. I've never heard the word before, but uh, apparently it's offensive. And uh, he was fined $50,000, and he is away from the uh, Miami Heat for, I believe, a week. And I hear a lot of his sponsors dropped him because apparently he's a pretty big gamer. So FaZe dropped him, and then, like, everyone that basically just sponsors his video gaming. I, I wanted to ask, just based on how Jared kind of talked about that, because I talked to uh, one of my friends who isn't a big sports fan yesterday about this. Um, and they had a similar reaction of what does that word mean? And I don't think a lot of people like, and, and, and it it's what led me to thinking about the conversations a lot of people having that normally I'd be like, like I'd hate. Which is if the if Miles Leonard said the N word on this stream, he's gone, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. probably. Oh, but I but and I'm wondering, you know, the Miami Heat have Jewish ownership. Um, why are they not quick to do this? Uh, and secondly, I'm thinking, do a lot of people like understand, like what like. I don't know the origin of it. I don't know why we use that word. I just know what it means. Um, I guess I, I have the same relationship with it as I do the N-word, where I know it's offensive. I don't know what it means, but I know I shouldn't say it. And I'm wondering if a lot of people are just now, or at least younger people, just now learning and like familiarizing themselves with what that word means. I... I was actually kind of surprised that uh, it wasn't a harsher punishment uh, given the NBA's uh, stance with racism. Um, I'm only, I'm surprised that it's only been a week. Like, I feel like aside from this, Myers Leonard's are always come off to me as like a stand-up guy, a stand-up uh, athlete. So I'm wondering if it was handled internally and uh, if the Miami Heat does have Jewish ownership, maybe that's something they – addressed with I well they had to have addressed it with him and maybe they came to some sort of understanding or something like I don't know if 
what Meyer, Myers Leonard's uh, feelings towards Jewish people are and why he would use that word. Um, but I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, like, maybe I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just shocked the punishment wasn't harsher. Um, I think part of why the part uh, the punishment wasn't as harsh is because we've seen over the past few months, there have been, I mean, countless other athletes who, and this is the case for white people talking about black people. I think they tend to put the blinders on and they don't tend to see their issues as either legitimate or as that big of a deal. I think what I've seen over the past few months is, and this isn't to say all black people are doing this, but some black people are saying are doing the same thing for the plights of Jewish people. They're putting the blinders on. They're saying they're illegitimate or they're not as bad as how we have it because, you know, the the common misconception that, oh, Jews just all have money or something like that. Uh, I think it's a similar thing. And I think what the Heat are trying to do and maybe this is going to be an NBA issue is they're trying to set a precedent for if other players say this, because mm-hmm. miles Leonard, he could be gone tomorrow and we'll never notice on the court for the Miami heat. But if say, I don't think he would do this, but if Jimmy Butler said something, if, and they say, well, you got rid of miles Leonard for this, you have to get rid of Jimmy Butler. They're setting a precedent. And, and ultimately even and keeping Miles Leonard is partially a business move because they'll take on dead cap and whatnot, and they'll take on whatever. It's an even bigger business move if they have to cut someone of of more of a caliber. Yeah, I think that it's definitely setting a precedent for it. Um, and we're starting to get to the age in players and the access that players have to the general public um, compared to maybe 15, 20 years ago, so where everything is going to be put under a microscope. So I think that there's going to be a lot of discussions within any league internally, within players associations, um, regarding like how they're going to structure like fines or anything else regarding these things. Because I just know, like, I'm not a gamer, but I have a couple of friends who are. Um, there are some things that are said during those, like if those chats came out, like so many people would be ruined, like without a doubt. Um, so it's becoming, how are you going to handle the new digital age? How are you going to structure it? Like, where is the line in the sand going to be put? So I think that this is, I think this is one of the first bricks that's going to be laid in that discussion. And I think that this off season, we'll start to see more, discussions between the league league owners and the players association for sure honestly i think uh i think his excuse is kind of it's kind of like lazy like i get you may maybe don't understand the word but you're live streaming for like thousands of people you shouldn't be repeating stuff or say stuff that you don't know what it means because i don't know i feel like he kind of just set himself up for like failure at that point basically like there was no coming back even with his apology, anything, he was still going to get like all the criticism that he got. Yeah. And it, it's like the, it's, and he's not the first uh, athlete too to uh, fall under this like new age, like streaming and then saying something. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember hearing, I mean, it's a little more like 
James and I's corner of the woods, but uh, Kyle Larson, the uh, NASCAR driver who formerly drove for Chip Ganassi Racing, lost his job because he, uh, I believe he said the N-word in a live stream uh, while NASCAR was doing the uh, online racing. So it's almost about a year ago uh, because of COVID. And he recently got reinstated. uh, Well, NASCAR reinstated him, I believe, last year, and then he got signed to one of the best teams in racing and then just won a race, I believe, last weekend. And that was going to be, you hit the nail on the head, that was going to be, how does Miles Leonard redeem himself? I thought Kyle Larson has done a fairly good job of redeeming himself from that because obviously they're in the same vein of a situation where they had to like these two guys, if we believe both of them and that they said it and they don't understand the connotation, which is hard to believe, but if they like Kyle Larson had to go away for a while and learn about the plights of black people, Miles Leonard probably has to go and do the same thing for the plights of Jewish people. And they have to give back in some way. Kyle Larson worked with, uh, a racing school in Philadelphia for urban kids in, in order to sort of uh, as an apology to the black community in racing. I think Miles Leonard is going to have to do something uh, to that level uh, in basketball, but regardless, it's going to require him to go away for a while. I think, I think yeah. the, the someone suggested I saw somewhere the Miami Heat should cut him, and but they should be a part of saying, Miles, we're going to get you help you need understanding this stuff. And then maybe if it goes well, maybe they bring him back. But that shouldn't be like a week is really weak. And, and that's even with injury and whatnot. All right, so... Quarterback uh, talk has been really interesting this week. Uh, Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys signed a four-year, $160 million contract, I believe making him the second-highest-paid quarterback in the NFL right now. Tom Brady also just signed an extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to keep him uh, till at least through 2022. And uh, the Russell Russell Wilson debate just seems to keep heating up. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if maybe I should uh, go online and uh, begin uh, making a dream purchase of another Bears jersey sometime soon. I wouldn't waste your money. Would not waste your money. Yeah, I feel like like it's amazing to me that Bears fans have so quickly shifted from let's get Deshaun Watson to let's get Russell Wilson when very like the Russell Wilson situation, from what I understand, is a very easy fix. Like it, it is, there's a conversation between him and management and they patch things over and he plays this year for Seattle. I don't. Well, and I don't, based on like what I've heard, like he's not even saying that he doesn't not want to play for Seattle. Right. Like he hasn't said that he's going to sit out. <laughs> so well, I, I think Wilson's one of those athletes though, where like, He's going to respect the organization he's with, even though, I mean, kind of saying where you'd want to play kind of disrespects him, but he's not going to come out and say, like, trade me or I don't want to be here. Like, I feel like he's more of a mature kind of person where he'd want to handle that kind of discussion internally instead of vocalizing it to the media, maybe like something uh, 
uh, Marshawn Lynch would have done. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just I think he's going to handle it in a better way than you see most athletes like in the NBA, for example, handle like these kind of uh, trades or dissatisfaction with whatever organization they're playing for. I'm very shocked by how Houston is handling the Deshaun Watson situation. It makes no sense. Because I, I might be wrong, but I don't know if there's been anything like that in my lifetime where a player wants out and they're just like, no, you're staying. It kind of happened with uh, Le'Veon Bell a couple years That's ago. That's right, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, but he's oh, not yeah. quarterback. That's like a big difference. Yeah, you could afford to lose a running back, but when it's your franchise quarterback and a good one too, one of the probably the most sought after quarterbacks in the league, um, yeah, that's that's huge. Like it's kind of unprecedented for the NFL, I'd say. I mean, really, what are they going to end up doing if he just doesn't play? They're just going to eat the cap. They're just going to eat the cap hit and go with a backup. Like you don't, I don't see any other option for him because they're um, not going to cut him. Yeah, well, this is the same franchise that got rid of one of the best wide receivers in the NFL who was perfect pairing with their young quarterback that now wants to leave. So should we we put that much faith in the decision-making of the Texans organization? No. No. Short answer, no. I don't know if you guys saw, actually, their head coach was on a podcast yesterday. And during the conversation, they were talking about Deshaun Watson, and he was saying that, he's their quarterback as of right now. So that kind of like lets me know they're probably already leaning towards probably most likely trading him. But I don't think they're just trying to, you know, like show their cards that they're going to trade him for sure. Cause they're trying to get as much as they could for him. Yeah. My only thought to that. And cause you would think they would trade him, right? It has to be something like they're trying to drive up his value by saying they're not going to trade him. Like, that has to be what this is. I can't think of any other strategy that would make sense in this situation. But I also think that that strategy is flawed because the teams that need a quarterback don't have enough capital between like the five teams combined to drive up his price that high. Like none of them have the capital to do so. The bears probably have the best capital. And if you're doing that, Again, I'm going to – I'm speaking as even as a Packer fan, but I am taking my bias out of it. You are putting your team at risk in picking him up because you're going to have to trade pieces from that defense to make sure that you get that quarterback because you have no draft prospects. You have nothing there in order to offer up for Deshaun Watson. It has to be people off of that off of that 45-man roster. So at that point, you're then weighing the pros and cons of like, okay, like if we trade Roquan Smith or if we trade Khalil Mack, like what are you going to gain versus what are you going to lose? So I think in this situation, it could be a thing where the Bears are willing to sell the house uh, to obtain a quarterback and maybe they're not playing to like their full potential right away, but it's like, all right, this quarterback is willing to buy in to what we want to do here with them. We're willing to let, like, because that's one of the things that Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson wanted to uh, have in their organizations is a say in personnel, a say in what players they bring in, stuff like that. I feel like maybe the Bears would be willing to, especially since they've never had a franchise quarterback at the level of either of these two players, 
to say, all right, we want to build this team around you. We won't be ready to compete right away since we had to trade for you. I hope you understand that. But here's what we're willing to do um, over the next couple seasons to make sure we get you to a place where you can compete. I, I still feel like the nightmare scenario is going to come up and Watson's going to go somewhere. Wilson, if he goes anywhere, goes somewhere. Sam Darnold goes somewhere. Uh, and somehow the Bears are starting Mike Glennon again. Like just to, like that, like that's the nightmare scenario I have is somehow all of these teams were able to acquire massive franchise quarterbacks. And the one team that has never had that, the Chicago Bears, are going to end up stuck with Trubisky or Foles or, God forbid, someone worse. I saw something scary where, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in as, like, a possibility. And, like, when Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he's good, he's great. He looked good with the Fens this year. He looked good with the Dolphins this year. But he'll, like, play for – once he starts playing for a while, then your classic inconsistencies with Fitzmagic shows up and – I, I don't want to roll the dice. We already rolled the dice on Nick Foles. I don't want another fringe starting quarterback to come into this organization and try to play starter. It doesn't work for us. So Dak Prescott uh, is going to be making about $40 million a year uh, with this new contract. Uh, do you guys think that is a fair contract for the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, or do you think um, the Cowboys paid him too much after holding out the last like two seasons? I think it's fair. I, th- I, when he signed it, I randomly thought back to this time, uh, maybe last year when we were talking about it, and it was okay, who's gonna get the big money contracts and who's gonna have to go between Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott. And then the season happens, and Ezekiel Elliott is terrible, frankly, for, for a player of that has the expectations he has. He couldn't hold on to the ball. He couldn't uh, get his feet under him and, and make the big plays we expect from him. And Amari Cooper became like the number two or number three wide receiver. So ultimately Dak Prescott, even in just five games made that decision, I think for the Cowboys. Uh, The question now is what are they going to do to build around him? Cause man, that team needs a defense especially a secondary. Those guys need a defense. Otherwise you're going to have, I heard some stat Dak Prescott before his injury was on pace for 9,000 or not 9,000, Jesus, 5,900 yards. I mean, he was having an MVP caliber season before it like went up in flames. I mean, I think that, you know, with the cap issue that, you know, they had just, I remember seeing a notification when I was out in San Diego, um, that the cap had officially been cut and it's down to like 189 million. If I remember right, is the team salary cap. Um, they don't have a lot of wiggle room if they're wanting to keep pieces on offense. Um, I think that they're going to attempt it. I mean, if I was the Cowboys, I would attempt to build that secondary on that defense through the draft. Um, there are some good secondary pieces out there uh, in probably it'll be your third and fourth rounds that you'll be able to find some decent value. Um, But again, I don't, I don't know how much, I don't know how much room Jerry Jones is going to have to work with, with, with the cap going down. Um, 
So, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if we see some offensive pieces go and we might see the Cowboys pick up a couple through the draft. But um, I think the salary cap issue is going to be the biggest constraint this year on teams in terms of signing people. Um, So I, that's my take on it. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, first and second rounders that are going to come through that are going to make more of an impact because they're going to have lower contracts. Michigan State is no longer Michigan State basketball. It is Michigan State University Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. That's how they will now refer to themselves. Here's the release. Under the new five-year deal, Detroit-based Rocket Mortgage will be the pre- uh, presenting sponsor of the famed men's basketball team, which will now be known uh, throughout the uh, Burzlin Center as the Michigan State University Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. CBS will not call them that. CBS yeah. will not call them that. That is awful. Well, CBS <laughs> won't call them that because they won't be in the tournament that long, I don't think, but... Well, no, CBS also has Big Ten basketball. Um, yeah, uh, how, when was the last time they were on CBS for Big Ten basketball? Uh, it was early this season, but I don't think that any like media organization is going to say the Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. Like, oh, they won't. No. They won't. But they will. Re- but here's my fear: they will do it themselves, and any press release they have. They will refer to themselves oh, yeah. as. Well, they'll have to. They'll be contractually obligated. They're contractually as the, obligated. As the MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. And what I fear uh, from this, not only is it a, a ridiculous to say we can't pay the players, but we will have the players uh, basically play for a, tra- a travel team Uh and just throw Rocket Mortgage on their name and maybe the jerseys. I don't know. But oh, I can guarantee the jerseys are going to be on there. I can't wait to see Tom Izzo wearing that windbreaker with a Rocket Mortgage logo oh, on it. And it, it sets a precedent now because now, okay, one of the biggest universities in athletics um, is now has a sponsor that's attached to their name. What's going to stop Michigan from doing it? What's going to stop USC from doing it? What's going to stop any of these schools from doing it? And I just think, and it kind of goes back for me for like professional sports teams in the major North American sports, like uh, the, in the NBA, putting logos on jerseys, which something that the NBA generates enough money to where it's not like the WNBA where the NBA needs to, where these franchises need to. Like in the WNBA, some of those jerseys don't have the team name, but it will have like the Swiss, like whatever that company is for like the, uh, or is it Swedish something for uh the seattle storm like i sometimes i look at the jerseys i'm like i don't know what team this is i can guess based on their colors because it relates to their nba franchise but i can't tell what team this is and now when you have it coming into college sports like okay it's one thing for these teams to be sponsored by adidas where these kids are benefiting from that getting the free gear the free clothing the free shoes that they play in and stuff like that okay that's one thing but now you have these kids they're gonna have to say in their pressers or whatever, like I play for the Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. They're not getting paid by Rocket Mortgage. They're not benefiting from Rocket Mortgage. The school's getting the money. There has been talk over the last few months that players are going to start earning revenue. Um, I think from that's only in name. California, though. 
No, it's being passed across states. Like the state of Illinois, like their state legislator has taken it up. New York has taken it up. Florida has and Louisiana, I know for a fact. Um, it's going on across the board to where they're allowing players to start benefiting from name, image, and likeness. Um, so they could technically, if Michigan passes it, or if it gets passed federally, which I know the federal government has talked about making this the case. Um, I remember, I think it was about six or eight weeks ago, um, the House was doing hearings on it and considering taking up a bill regarding it. Um, so it, I think that Michigan State might be trying to get ahead of the ball if they think that it is going to be coming down federally, that they're going to have to pay name, image, and likeness that they don't want to take a hit like financially. Um, so they need to figure out where this money is going to come from in order to pay athletes, but it's still weird how they're doing it. And, and they really didn't give a justification in the press release um, as to why this decision was coming down, except for, well, rocket mortgage is a Detroit based like is a Detroit based company. And we're like really close in the Detroit area, which really they're not East Lansing is not very close to Detroit. Like if rocket mortgage was going to sponsor a big 10 team, it should have been Michigan, but because Ann Arbor is literally 30 miles away from downtown Detroit. Um, here's, here's my big thing that made it surprising to me because it'd be one thing if it was like, if an NBA team tomorrow decided we are now the Detroit Pistons presented by Rocket Oh, Mortgage. you just spoke into existence, James. <laughs> it, but here's why I don't have a problem with that as opposed to why I have a problem with college basketball. Besides everything we've said, college basketball has literally been the subject of FBI investigations for how corrupt the inside of it can be. And how there are players, like, basically name a top overall pick in the past decade. Like, name any lottery pick or any big superstar that has joined the NBA in the last few years. And there are good odds that they got money under the table. And it became a big controversy and a big investigation that probably cost some people their jobs. And so I'm wondering... I don't know about Tom Izzo's past. I don't know if he has that kind of history. I know there's tons of coaches at that level that do. But if something like that comes up and there's a controversy like that, does the press release come out? Like the Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage have received a one-year ban from the from the NCAA from the tournament. Like what do, like, what do both parties do in that situation? Because it's almost like, that's bad press for Rocket Mortgage if they get banned. It's I mean, horrible it's horrible press if something comes out like that for them. It's it's really bizarre. And I don't like now they have created a whole new issue that they may have to navigate. And I just I got to say Rocket Mortgage is also just one of those ugly ugly names for a sponsor. Like kind of like guaranteed rate field uh for the White Sox, like that's just bad and then Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for like the Cleveland Cavaliers. And honestly, I thought it was a downgrade from Quicken Loans, which also isn't great. Like, can these insurance companies stop sponsoring stuff? Like, stuff like kind of like how the Pepsi Center, even though now it's a ball arena, which, okay. It's always going to be the Pepsi Center. But, like, the Pepsi Center, 
sounds all right just because Pepsi is a big enough brand and it's one word and it's not like loans and rates and guaranteed. And or you got something like uh, the United Center because, OK, yeah, it's like United Airlines, but it's not the United Airlines Center. Like United is a basic word that can be used in anything. So it kind of sounds all right. I mean, Chicago Stadium would be all right, but United Center doesn't sound too bad. But come on, Rocket Mortgage. Ridiculous. I can't wait till the jerseys come out just because they're like Michigan State's going to be the laughing stock of the Big Ten until they go to the final four next year. I can't see the NCAA allowing them to put that logo on their jerseys. There is no. Oh, I way. guarantee the NCAA is going to sue them. Like when California, Illinois, and a couple other states like said that they were going to, they would pass legislation to, uh, like pay athletes. NCAA so quick just came out. They were like, "We are suing in federal court." It's like you already have four lawsuits going on in federal court. But how does that stand up in court? How does that stand up in court? I, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know how. NCAA uh, management can complain, hey, you can't name your team after a, a, a sponsor. When two years ago, I they would not shut up about vanilla orange Coca-Cola to a point where I, if I ever saw orange vanilla Coca-Cola, I would throw it all in the garbage. <laughs> Well, you should throw it in the garbage to begin with anyway, because that is the worst flavor that Coke ever made. So today, as we're recording this, it is Friday, March 12th, 2021. Uh, But one year ago today, the sports world uh, shut down. I'm talking no basketball, college or NBA, no hockey, no baseball, not even NASCAR. Every single major North American sporting league stopped uh none of the seasons were canceled except for the ncaa where all the basketball tournaments and all the um other athletics like college baseball college softball etc those were all canceled we were lucky to eventually go on and have it end to an nba season a full mlb well not a full mlb season but one with a uh with a champion crowned at the end uh, hockey season resumed and we had an NFL season almost uninterrupted. And one year ago today, I was kind of at uh, one of the smaller epi- epicenters of it around the country. Uh, I was in Cleveland, Ohio, when the Mac uh, championship got canceled. I was covering the men's basketball team. And the night before I was watching the NBA get canceled on live TV and I knew it was coming for us next. Um, what were some of your guys' memories of that day? one year ago um so for me i was actually down in ponte Vedra beach florida because my buddy had qualified for the pga tours um it's the tour's biggest event of the year not including the four majors it's the players championship and so he had qualified in so i was down there with my girlfriend we'd been there for about a week already caught some red Sox spring training um and then drove up to ponte Vedra to watch the players championship uh Thursday's round went off without a hitch, which was very surprising because we were kind of watching everything else unfold. Um, You know, the night before we were hanging out with Chris and we were hanging out with Wyndham, like, and we'd watch the NBA get canceled. And I was just talking with them because they were like, are we going to go? Like, are we actually going to go out and where are we going to play on Thursday? Um, And the tour sent out a text message. It's just their mass text that they send out every week. Um, saying like your tea time is at this point, like you're allowed to arrive at the course. There was another one that came out saying 
per PGA Tour commissioner, we are good to go for Thursday's round. So I got, as everything else was shutting down, the tour actually shuts down technically on the 13th. The 13th was the last official day, um, the or uh, I guess is the first official day that the tour did not resume play. Um, so I I watched it and I was shocked because as a golfer, we're, we're thinking like, okay, COVID-19, like it, I understand contact sports, but it's golf and we're in the middle of nowhere. We couldn't, not having fans really isn't a big deal. Like these, my two guys, my two buddies who qualified into it, they'd come out of college and they were like, we're used to not having fans. Like nobody goes and watches college golf tournaments. Um, so it was almost unreal just the amount of like discussions that happened because he went off Thursday, he got in, he finished playing around like one 30 and at one 30, there had been rumbles from people in the players in the PGA player, PGA tours players association that had said, uh, we don't know if we're going to go out in the afternoon. Like we don't know if the afternoon wave is going to go. Um, and there were discussions with Jay Monahan, who's the PGA tour commissioner they finally got him to go out. Hideki posted an unbelievable seven under par for the first day. Um, he was he was on pace to win the tournament by a long shot. Like I feel bad for Hideki Matsuyama who got screwed out of a players. Um, and then yeah, come Friday morning, uh, Jay Monahan made the decision late Thursday night. I think it was like an eleven thirty presser um, that they were not going to be going out because players did not want to put their families at risk. They, especially in Florida to where there had been a lot of cases that were coming in, um, they had officially put golf on hold and it was unreal hearing about it. And then the discussions afterwards were like the masters is a month away. Like, are we going to have the masters? And it, like, that was when I I knew I was like, wow, there's really nothing that's going to happen in sports. If golf can't go, then like, that's a little a little saddening because it's like one of the easiest sports to host. Um, and did they have fans at that, uh, um, that event that you're at initially, like were fans allowed in? Yep. So the players still had fans. So they had fans at every event leading up to the players. And so they allowed fans in for Thursday. Um, and then before Monahan came on and actually discussed that we were that they were suspending like the tour indefinitely. They had said, okay, fans are not going to be allowed in on Friday, but we're still going to play this tournament through the weekend. Um, And then players started to get worried. Um, Rory McIlroy, one of the biggest voices on the tour came out. He's like, I don't know if I want to play because he has, you know, his wife was expecting, um, you know, he didn't want his wife to like get it and everything else like that. So there was a lot of people who were like, I don't know. Like there's just too many uncertainties that like everything else with the United States, like nobody had the tests to do it. Like they couldn't get testing going. So, you know, at that point it became just, we're going to suspend, like we're going to cancel our biggest event of the year. And I remember watching the presser from our Airbnb and my girlfriend's a big golfer too. Um, and she had just kind of was like, has Monahan talked about the Masters yet? Because we're four weeks away from literally golf's biggest event is the Masters. And I was like, yeah, he brought it up. He's like, they're hopeful that they're going to host the Masters. And then 
March Madness got canceled within two days. And I was like, the Masters is not happening at this point. Like we're if they can't host the if they can't host the NCAAs without fans, they are not gonna host the Masters at all. So it it was an insane weekend to to say the least. I think for me, my biggest memory was like the Rudy Gobert moment with the NBA. That's what really like kind of set it off and made like made me kind of realize, all right, this is getting serious. Like when he touched all the microphones and everything, like I just remember first thinking like, okay, he's just being really insensitive. I get it's not affecting you at the time. He didn't even know he had the virus. Uh, we found out, we find out later. And when he was just doing all that, it was just kind of like the first red flag for me. You could tell uh, like other people in his locker room were getting mad too. And then you find out a day later, day and a half later, that he has corona and he spread it, could have possibly spread it to everybody. So that was just uh, when that happened. I remember um, there was actually a game going on with the Dallas Mavericks. I know they were on ESPN that night. I was watching them showing Mark Cuban's reaction when they announced that uh, they were suspending the season. So you could just see like a shock on his face. I was shocked. I didn't think anything like that could honestly ever happen in not just America, but like the sports world too. I thought for sure, at least you could get through it somehow. But when that happened, that was just really like, uh, like the first red flag, I guess, for me. Yeah, I was watching that same uh, game in my hotel room when I was uh, in Cleveland because uh, I got in uh, the night before the tournament and I watched in. Yeah, it was the craziest thing. Like, you just found out on live TV as an NBA game is going that the season's being suspended. And it's like, that's when I'm like, I don't like life anymore. <laughs> like, that's, the NBA is my life. Like, I need this and it's going away. And like, because I mean, I remember like back in January and February of that year, I was like making jokes about COVID. Like, because mm-hmm. like the years like was already going awful at that point like we lost kobe there's like stuff going on i'm like you know at this point i'm just gonna like lick a doorknob and get covid and like just whatever but like and like people are just making jokes about it because like no one understood it at the time and it wasn't like widespread here and then that weekend it felt real i'm like oh my god they just stopped sports this has never happened before at least not in our lifetime and probably <laughs> no one else's lifetime during this time i forget if the NHL actually might have been playing through the Spanish flu, so I, I don't really remember. A lot of places played through the Spanish flu. Like, the NCAA football season went on during it, too. Yeah, so, um, like, I, just, was... I I was just so shocked. You know, my girlfriend, like, we, we stayed in Florida. Like, we did not come back after the players got canceled. We stayed through, I think it was Monday, like, night. Um, and – you know, we were just walking around on the beach because spring training had been canceled too. So we were lucky that we caught a couple of Red Sox games, but it was like, we were just walking around and I was like, what the hell am I going to watch? Like in March, like, what am I going to watch in March or April? Like, like we were just talking, it's like, what is CBS going to fill like all of its affiliate stations with during all these time slots that March madness was supposed to happen. Like, are you going to show reruns of Final Fours? Like, I had no idea. I, I felt like I was going to go insane. And then, yeah, you come back and college is like, yep, nope, we're not going back in person. So then I'm stuck at home and my job went remote. 
like I was, I sat at home for like three weeks and I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing on TV. Well, while you were more concerned about what to watch, which I will admit I was too, I was more concerned about how was I going to fill a physical newspaper page? Because at that time, it didn't seem like we wouldn't return to school. Um, Like I thought we'd be back in classes because it was like, oh, we're extending your spring break a week and we'll figure it out from there. So I'm thinking, all right, we're still printing. All of the Mac uh, sports are canceled. So that means literally, oh, and then on top of that, all other sports are canceled. How am I going to fill a newspaper page two days a week? Because we still printed on uh, Sundays and Wednesdays back then. Um, so I was worried about that. And then at the same time, like, okay, wait, not only the newspaper, how am I going to get content on the site? Because after a while, like you can only do so much with like the initial COVID breaking news. And then you have to scramble to like interview athletes and stuff, which is already hard enough with athletics and talking and trying to get through to them and on top of that now everything's gone remote people have gone off campus people are less reachable people are less available so that was the thing um but yeah like uh my uh first-hand experience was uh on march 10th i got an email uh i already had my credentials i got that uh the week earlier from the mac and um they, they released an email on March 10th saying that only family and uh, credentialed media would be allowed into uh, the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for the tournament. So, um, like, this all happened fairly quickly because on March 9th, they're still intending for a packed house. Um, and then uh, the 11th, I drove out. Uh, NBA gets canceled. On the 12th, uh, I wake up at 6 in the morning and I check my email everything's still good to go because I'm thinking I was checking my email like all night and into the early morning. Like, is it going to get canceled? It's going to get canceled. And they're like, Nope, green light. So I'm like, all right, I guess. Uh, and I use going to play today. Um, and then uh, Mike Knapp, uh, former Northern star reporter who was uh, with me in Cleveland. Uh, Cause we we're going to cover the event together. I was going to photograph, be a photographer. He was going to write up the recaps and stuff. Um, he calls me. He's like, did you see your email? I'm like, it's probably around 11 o'clock at this point. I'm like, no, what's, what's going on? So I check my email and it's like a uh, uh, press con- emergency press conference with uh, commissioner, uh, Dr. John Steinbrecher uh, for noon. And I'm like, Oh, here it is. So I run over to Quicken loans or I'm sorry, rocket mortgage uh, field house. And uh, I go into Presented by the Michigan state Spartans. <laughs> 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 yes <laughs> and so i go into uh uh the uh the media entrance the we'll call whatever you call it walk down the steps and kind of like took it all in i'm like first time in the behind the scenes areas of an nba arena so i'm like oh i saw lebron walk through this hallway for like four straight nba finals or three straight nba finals that's pretty cool no it's four straight and uh Got to the media room, which was packed and probably the last packed room without masks I was in since. And the I essentially drove six hours out for a 10 minute press conference. And I won't get into this story, but then I got stranded because my car decided to break down as I was going to leave. But that's a story for another time. James, what do you remember about uh, the sport shutting down? And especially since you were an on staff reporter at the time at the Northern Star. I remember 
I had gone out to see a movie with my friends, and then afterwards we went to a restaurant, and we bought. I watched on the televisions as you know, NCAA tournament uh, tournaments are being stopped. You, they're discussion discussing if UFC is going to stop. Uh, NASCAR stops. The NBA stops. The NHL stops. I'm watching like everything shut down and it was really bizarre because i don't know if i i had an inkling quite of how like i don't think anyone knew how serious this was until well into it but i think that kind of that kind of made me think oh this is going to be a serious deal but i didn't know just how long it would stop everything and so my first concern not even as a writer was man, what am I going to do like for the next few weeks and months? Cause like sports makes up a big portion of what I do outside of classes. Uh, so not having that, it, it was kind of weird. Not having fans is still kind of weird. I was actually just with my, my grandparents and my grandma still says, I can't watch sports at all. There, there's no people there. It's so weird. And uh, so I think I, I just remember because I was also with a bunch of people who weren't really sports fans and having to convey to them like this is going to change my life because it's going to drastically it's going to basically take away my job at that point or, or at least it was going to take it and say you're something else now because I ended up obviously everyone did reporting for uh, COVID things in the area but I just remember thinking like oh my god what am i gonna do now yeah and the crazy thing about that is it's still affecting the sports industry i mean i'm ready to be out of college in a month or two and i'm looking out at jobs out there and like yes the sports industry has recovered a bit but there's still so many restrictions to where there as few people that can be working in an event or in an arena as possible they're gonna go with a skeleton crew if they can in any industry so i'm looking out there for jobs because the only reason i got into journalism was for sports so like that's like i pigeonholed myself like i'm only doing this because i love sports it's sports or bust that's what i'm doing and i'm looking out there and there's hardly anything out there especially in the chicago market so it's it's still affecting everything it's really difficult. I mean, it's, you know, as a major golf fan, um, the last three weeks have been very promising uh, in terms of what the tour has brought back. The last three weeks we've had fans, um, which it was awesome. So I didn't get to watch a lot of the, uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. Um, but I saw enough highlights of it with the golf team while we were out there. Hearing fans cheer as Bryson DeChambeau rips a driver 420 yards to clear water on a par five and lands it 20 yards away from the green. Like it was so great to finally start seeing fans um, come back. The media landscape is starting to get there. That's going to be one of the last things that I think goes back to a sense of normalcy. Um, and we're going to have full press boxes at that point. So I think that we're getting there, though. We're finally starting to see the light at the end of this tunnel. Thanks for listening to the Headliners podcast. New episodes are available every Saturday.